Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right. Welcome in, everybody. I'm Ben Kenny. As always, it is On the Clock, a production of Phillies 24-7 and Sports Radio 94 WIP. It is the holiday season. It is almost the new year. This will be our final show in 2023. But through all of that, it kind of feels like Major League Baseball has just taken the holiday season off entirely. Everybody at their nice fancy job, which maybe I'm a little jealous of, said uh, vacation time that comes with the end of the year. Everyone goes on their vacations, they do their things, but they're away from work. And MOB, at least in the hot stove and free agent market, has appeared to take that same strategy. There was big news last week. Yoshi Yamamoto is a Los Angeles Dodger. If you heard our show, you probably realized the news came after we finished recording. And, I mean, a a move that shocks nobody. Dodgers beat out the Yankees, uh, the Mets, reportedly the Phillies, among others. So we'll get uh, a lot of thoughts on that. We'll get to it. Also have some end-of-year 2023 entering 2024 uh, general thoughts regarding the Phillies, some big questions, and... A good piece by MLB.com, I flipped it, Phillies focused, trends that we're watching that ended the 2023 season that we're watching entering 2024. So that's all coming up. There are a couple moves I guess we'll update on, but the main focus of today is, I mean, yet again, the Dodgers are all over the headlines. They have had, I mean, the most remarkable offseason I can remember a team ever having. They've given out now... More than a billion dollars, 10 years, 700 million to Shohei Otani. Then they give 325 million over 12 years to Yamamoto. That's the deal. 27 million per. There's another pitcher that ties that mark. We'll get to him in a second. And then they also trade, as we mentioned last week, for Tyler Glass now and extend him. So that's another 136 million. That's a, I'm bad at math, but that's above a billion dollars on free agents. And three of them are pitchers, although two of them are going to pitch this season. It was their big weakness. It was their big focus. And as I said last week, I mean, it's kind of a perfect storm of luck, but both luck that the Dodgers have created and luck totally driven by Shohei Otani's priorities and also by the fact that the Angels are absolutely inept. The most inept franchise we have seen that has fumbled the bag so drastically that this guy, that Otani, the greatest thing to ever happen to baseball, would leave. And then you still have Mike Trout, the second thing to ever happen to baseball. And he's been looking for reasons to stay the entire time. They had everything. They could not function as a normally operated organization. Now they see Shohei go to the Dodgers. The direct fallout of that is there also happens to be this stud, amazing 25-year-old Japanese pitcher who played with Otani in the World Baseball Classic that followed Otani to the Dodgers. So, I mean, it's, it's lucky that it all happened that way and that the Dodgers fit every criteria, but they did create that luck. They are a very well-run organization monetarily, both uh, development-wise. You see it with the players they traded for glass now. They have the star power. They they got lucky because they're in Los Angeles, and that is the allure of being the big star there. So it's a combination of a bunch of things. They beat out the Yankees, 
for Yamamoto. And the interesting note, and it shows you how this really was the Dodgers race the entire time. He turned down a 10 million, 300, excuse me, 10 years, 300 million dollar offer from the Yankees. So close, I think a little bit more average annual value, two fewer years. And the Mets actually matched the Dodgers offer at 12 for 325 and Yamamoto chose LA. So LA would have had to really back themselves out of the race, which would not have been very intelligent in order to lose out on this guy. Now the funny part is the 325 million beats out a pitcher by the name of Garrett Cole by 1 million dollars. 1 million dollars, I guess. 1 million is the difference. Cole signed a 324 million dollar deal with the Yankees. So this makes Yamamoto, the biggest contract, just pure dollar signs, ever given out to a pitcher. Or I guess, if you count Otani, but a a pure pitcher, not counting the 700 uh, with 95% of it deferred. So, I mean, that feels like a little gamesmanship. That feels like the agent just wanting to say that they can do it, that they got the biggest deal ever for a pitcher. And Yamamoto, I mean, gets, gets the bag. He's getting $27 million per year which is tied with one Aaron Nola of note. So everybody, you know, everyone's up in arms with how much money is given to Nola. It's the same thing as Yamamoto. And, I mean, maybe Yamamoto's underpaid then, but Nola, I think, is properly priced. The The criticism people had with the Nola deal was that it was a little too long and he's older. And that part, yes, hard to totally disagree. Seven years is risky. But in terms of annual value, it's the exact same. This is what the market for top pitching looks like. Now, Yamamoto gets 12 because he's 25 years old and and um, young, not, not a lot of mileage. Seems to have an arsenal that can develop late into his career. He can reinvent himself as a pitcher as he gets on, um, which I think Nola can too. I mean, you see, you, you have to have a diverse arsenal, not only rely on velocity. I think both of those pitchers definitely do it. But it's interesting that he gets the same average annual value uh, that Nola got. And, I mean, we talked ourselves into the Phillies being involved here. I definitely did. It was It's the only thing we can latch on to right now. Let's be honest. There's nothing else going on with this baseball team. The thing we could latch on to was they're finally in it, quote-unquote, in it, for a big boy Japanese pitcher that is the talk of the sport. Like, they were in. And Dabrowski said after, we were extremely competitive. I don't doubt that they maybe put out a Yankees-type offer, maybe a little bit less. Maybe they wanted to go eight or nine years for 200-something. But that the offer probably was actually given out. Again, I I took a moral victory lap last week because of that news. I, I think it's terrific news for their prospects going forward into the future. They did it to set themselves up for the next great Japanese player, so that they could build the relationships and hopefully land one of these guys when it works. Now, it I mean, it would have been really tough for their the Philly salary cap and such, which we went over last week. But, I mean, it's clear that after seeing how this played out and what offers he turned down from other teams, the Phillies never had a real chance to land him. This felt like not a, not a token. They weren't just doing it to do it. They were doing it for the future purpose. I don't think they were actually in on this race to get it done, to land him. But I will say, you look back at Nebraska's offseason plan to date, and I know everybody's unhappy generally that a move has not been made. I will say this. Them re-signing Aaron Nola is going to prove to be, I think, a, a genius move to get done that early and to actually get it done. Because the rest of the market right now, like they had no chance of Yamamoto. So everybody wanted to ditch Nola, go get Yamamoto. Well, guess what? He's going to the Dodgers. He's following Shohei. So the other guys, then are Blake Snell, which I've outlined I don't like and I don't think would fit on the team nearly as well as as Aaron Nola does. And we'll see what the market for him looks like. But going ahead to not, not have to risk, not have to be in these races, to risk losing out, and then to look back at yourself and realize you don't have pitching, I think it's going to prove to be a really smart move Um, Whether the contract itself is great or not, it's a smart move in how to build the team and how to best position the team going forward. So that's the Philly side of it. I did generally a couple takeaways from the deal itself. 
I mean, I think it's undeniable right now that the Dodgers are the new Yankees in baseball. The 90s Yankees, the early 2000s, where because of their, as we talked about last week, regional sports network, because of the money the Yankees were raking in on the RSN, on Yes Network, they could pay ungodly sums of money to everybody. And you saw a lot of stars across the sport, across the country, go and want to play for New York. Now, that is the Dodgers. They have surpassed the Yankees 100%. You look at the Yankees' payroll over the last however long, it's big, but it's not what the Dodgers are doing right now. Not only are they attracting the stars, and some of these are trades, but conceptually, Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, and then now the two uh, great Japanese players. I mean, they're spending money that the Yankees have never spent. And, I mean, there are a lot of reasons for that. The L.A. market is powerful. The brand is really powerful. The beer tastes, uh, the beer costs more out there. It's like they are, they, they have maximized profits. And all of these moves are good business moves. But, I, I mean, when we talk of, when everyone thinks Yankees, they think, oh yeah, they go and pay everybody a lot and they get every star. And they still are a big brand. They still are the Yankees. But the Dodgers are that team now. They have totally surpassed them in that regard. The Dodgers are, right now, the destination. So there's that. A lot of people are angry about a quote-unquote Dodgers uh, super team, Dodgers uh, death machine or whatever, especially when Otani uh, returns to pitching. I think this is good for baseball. As a fan of the sport, as somebody who just wants interest to be there, and I I mean, I want people to talk about the sport. I want it to be captivating when we get into October and really throughout the season. I think this is great news. He's going to a big market. He's going to a really good team. And while they're on the West Coast and they're harder to watch as East Coasters, I mean, it's gotten people to talk about baseball in December, which something that the sport does not do as well as others. They don't have a way to dominate the calendar. Over the last week, over Christmas, the NFL has dominated everything. They even took Christmas Day from the NBA. Every headline, NFL, NFL, NFL. Well, your hot stove is interesting. It's super interesting, especially for the big markets that are competitive and the star power. So the fact that, I mean, on the Friday after he signed, he signed Thursday night, everybody's talking about baseball. Everybody's talking about the deal and the Otani deal and the Dodgers sending this money. I think that's a good thing. You you can't view that as a bad thing for the sport, even if it creates a really good Dodgers team, um, which... Again, as I let off saying, and I still will stand by, they fell, the Dodgers, into a once-in-a-lifetime, perfect, lucky situation. It's kind of like like somebody presents to you a genius business idea, and you also happen to have some like inherited wealth that you could put into it. That's what the Dodgers are, are kind of with. They've made good decisions. They have created a really good winning organization, top to bottom, minor leagues, international pool, everything. But they also, you have to admit, got really lucky that these two guys were in the same year and the other organization, the Angels, totally fumbled everything. They got lucky. And, I mean, they're probably going to reap the rewards. So, I mean, the the interesting thing, too, and, and we'll move on to the Phillies here in a sec. We'll talk the free agency aftermath of the deal as well. But, I mean, to the point that the Dodgers are the death machine and we're all screwed, Let's relax a little bit. Let's chill out. Seriously. We've all followed baseball long enough to know that super teams aren't, I mean, they disproportionately don't win as much as they should in this sport. Like the Dodgers have had 100 wins, 110 wins, 120 wins every year for the last 20 years. And they have won championship during COVID, which you can raise your questions as to the, to the merits of that championship. Seriously, like, like, yeah, Otani, Betts, Freeman, Yamamoto, Glasnow, Muncie, they are a really good team. And their payroll is astronomical. But recent examples, the 2022 Mets, unbelievable payroll, unbelievable talent. They stunk, fell off a cliff because it's baseball. A couple injuries here and there, maybe a bad managerial decision, the bullpen falls apart, and then bang, team done. It happened to the 2021 Dodgers in the postseason. They did the Turner and Scherzer trade. Their team, it was a super team coming off of a win with Seager, 
and everybody, and, and Kershaw is still pitching well, and then they lose to the Braves in the playoffs. It's like these big star, big money, dynasty teams that strike all of us in the offseason and we call the race, the World Series is over. They just, they haven't won consistently since the 1990s Yankees. And that's the example people bring back. Oh, look, they get Otani and Yamamoto. Now they're the 90s Yankees. That was 30 years ago. It's been a long time since one of these big, massive super teams won multiple titles. I would bet that the Dodgers at least win one with these guys, but it's not as if the race is over. It's not as if the Phillies' chances at winning a World Series just ended because the Dodgers had a good offseason. It's actually uh, the interesting note, this from Jeff Passan of ESPN. In the past 10 years, organizations that spend the most money in free agency, which is the Dodgers often, it's the Mets, the Padres when they had the Soto and Tatis and Bogarts, I mean, they fell off a cliff too in 2022. It's little things. It's the bullpen that can end your season. But the teams that have spent the most money in the last 10 years in free agency have gotten past the division series only once. It is rare for that team that spends all the money to suddenly all all be fixed. Normally, I will say, because they're probably spending money to fix holes on the roster. That is a part of it, yes. But also, I mean, because it's just the nature of the sport and the playoff structure where you have to play really short series against maybe a hot, hungry team with youth and with speed and that you aren't used to playing and the pressure's on you as the star-powered team with older guys that have been there, that make all the money. Pressure's part of it. I mean, the pitfalls still exist for this team. They're not a perfectly constructed baseball team yet. Otani's elbow? Like, will Otani pitch? I think he will, but is he going to be able to pitch effectively for the next decade? I would bet against that. I think he has three or four years left pitching. You have that. You have Glasnow's health. Glasnow hasn't been healthy consistently for years. So the ceiling is, I mean, higher than anybody else. And and the age of the team. There are guys that, I mean, could in theory, like Freddie Freeman and Betts. I think they're incredible. Two of the best players in the sport. How much longer do they have? There are variables at play here where things happen, injuries happen, and then playoffs happen. The Phillies have beaten the Braves twice. During the regular season, the Braves were the better team each time. But some are better positioned for the playoffs. Some just are hot and have that magic. I just, I, I hate the idea that everyone throws out there that the Dodgers make this move, so why should the rest of us care? It's like, because it just doesn't always, it doesn't always lead to winning. Now, I do understand small market teams like the Brewers and, well, the Royals are spending money, but they're spending it on Michael Waka and Seth Lugo. They're not out here signing the big ticket guys. But small market teams like the Mariners who are cutting payroll, some of this TV network stuff we talked about, like the Padres who had to trade Soto because they're not going to pay him. The small market team seeing this happen and feeling defeated, I understand that because the Brewers can never pay these guys. And they're also, their TV networks are falling apart and some of them might have to move or they need new stadiums. There is an imbalance in the sport that is undeniable. But it also is a sport where that Brewers team, if well-managed and well-owned, which I don't think they are, if they were well-owned, then all of the top pitchers they have, Woodruff is gone. They should have kept him. Hayter's gone. I mean, maybe he's kind of an ass, but he's really good. Maybe they should have kept him. Um, those kind of guys, if, if you actually construct a team and then pay a little bit of money for a good bat or two. Like they can make runs. It's not as if, again, their careers and their seasons are totally over. You get to the postseason, you're playing good baseball, you're well-managed. The Diamondbacks just did it with a team that none of us think is really that good. I don't think they're that good. They are a solid baseball team. But they're not a they're not an NL winning type of team. Like you put them up against the Dodgers. I mean, before some of the offseason moves that they've just made, it's night and day. But one of those teams was in the World Series. The other wasn't. So let's let's not act like the sky is falling. It definitely, I mean, if you had asked me, would I rather him go to the Yankees or the Dodgers? I would have said the Yankees. I would rather the Dodgers not have Otani and Yamamoto because that makes the NL a little more scary. The Phillies, well, I think they're number one right now. I think they have to be beaten by a better team to be Knocked off, which might, it doesn't make much sense on the surface, but if you've listened to this show, you know what I mean. 
They're number one. The Braves and the Dodgers are two and three. It does make the Dodgers more formidable. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll, we'll see how it plays out. He's a, he's a 25-year-old kid, too. So he, he might either ascend to be the best thing in the world. He might not. These things aren't just, they're not all done. They're not all set, written off, lock it in. He's going to be amazing. He might be. He might not be. We'll see. All right. It's it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. Um, I'm going to push. Let's do this. We have, I have the free agency aftermath of this move. And because there are no real moves that are happening, I'm going to push that back. We'll get to that where we normally get to some of the free agent updates a little later on. I'm going to step away. And when we come back, the uh, we're entering 2024. And I have a couple thoughts. I was going to, like, I can't do favorite moments of 2023 because I I look back upon the end of the season, and honestly, the 2023 season as a whole, I look back more with sadness than I do joy and excitement. 2022, a lot of joy, a lot of excitement. This past year, I can't talk about favorite moments without thinking about how it ended. So we're not going to do that. But I have a couple forward-facing things as we go in to the new year. In regards to this Phillies team, we will get to that on the other side. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. It is on the clock. I am Ben Kenny with you as we enter 2024. I don't like New Year's resolutions, I must say. People have called me a Scrooge during holiday season. There are many things I am not entirely fond of. I'm tired of Christmas music, with the same Christmas music. I don't love New Year's resolutions. I think they're mostly fraudulent. And it's also everyone loves the whole Festivus thing from Seinfeld, which I've, I've grown tired of. I, it's something from a TV show that people worship but I don't love the constant, oh, the happy festivus, yeah. And then everyone talks about grievances. It's like you can air grievances every day of the year. I don't need a television show telling me when. So that said, I'm sorry if you're a big Seinfeld fan. We're entering 2024. And I have a couple of things. First, a really good article on MOB.com talking about strong finishes to 2023 that we're looking at and monitoring entering 24. Now, there were no Phillies involved in this, but I spinned it in a Phillies way. The article did talk about Evan Carter, outfielder on the Rangers, stud throughout the playoffs, helped them win the World Series. This kid, uh, Christian Encarnacion Strand on the Reds, infielder. I mean, promising, promising bat, showed some pop, probably had some up and down moments there, but part of that good young core the Reds have. You have Bo Naylor, catcher on the Guardians, brother of their first baseman, Josh Naylor. Michael King, who is now a Padre, he was really dominant out of the Yankees' bullpen and uh, ate a bunch of innings, kind of was between being a closer and a long reliever, but he can really pitch. Strikeout rate of 26.2%. A lot of Ks. He's now a Padre. He got traded for Soto, so we'll see how that goes. You have Royce Lewis on the Twins, who had a big postseason. You got the idea. Former Philly Logan O'Hoppy. A bunch of guys that were playing really well to end 2023 that were monitoring entering next season as spring training starts and the season starts. Phillies-wise, I spun this. What, what, what trends are we monitoring entering 2024? And think about this. Because I wanted to go before the postseason. Because the postseason is such a unique setting where a lot of... I mean, you throw a lot of stuff from the regular season out. Some guys have it. Some guys don't. The hot streaks are hotter, and the cold streaks seem to be colder. You're facing pitchers. As opposed to in the season, it's a longer sample size. And you're facing a lot of pitchers that you could take advantage of, say, as a hitter. But then you get to the playoffs, and every reliever you face is literally employed to get you out in that position, in that situation. 
So I think, not that it's unfair to look at those numbers, but I liked at the end of the regular season because that, I think, is a better look as to what it could look like when next year starts and when they actually get on the field and play games. I mean, the number one thing we're looking at is that there's no World Baseball Classic, which negatively affected the team last year. You had Ranger that was hurt. Trey Turner, after tearing the cover off the ball there, comes to spring training and enters the season and sucks until August. So that's not happening, which is good news. But that is, I mean, Trey Turner, that's the guy that I'm looking at first and foremost. Everybody remembers the last two games at Citizens Bank Park when him and Harper and Castellanos and the whole team just totally disappeared. But remember, Trey Turner was the best hitter on the team for the last month of the season in September. He was great in August, too, for the last two months. He was the best hitter on the team. He was better than Harper. Everybody forgets that Harper didn't get hot power-wise until the total end of the season. He was, like, we were wondering in July if he would even hit double-digit home runs. It was a lot of singles. It was a lot of on-base. And he got his power stroke back. It usually takes time after Tommy John to do so. So, I mean, he'll be great. But Turner was the best hitter on the team for the last two months of the year. In September, he had 299, 364 on base, 931 OPS, seven home runs, five doubles, 29 hits, seven of seven stolen bases, 16 RBI. Like when we talk about the MVP of the team, or I'll say this, the most important player on the team, Bryce Harper is the best, but we know what he'll bring. We know he's going to be really, really good. Trey Turner, I think, is the most important player on the team. Because we have seen the difference between when he's right and when he's wrong. When he's right, he carries the offense and the team looks totally different. When he's wrong, when he's not hot, I mean, it's it's really brutal to watch. And there's a gaping hole in the middle of the lineup. So, I mean, him playing well, obviously, is paramount. But if we're looking at trends that I, I think it'll continue. Because there's comfort. He saw, I, he saw a lot of success. And then I think there are things he could build off from the end of the year. And, I mean, if what he said, if a lot of the adjustment in Philadelphia and this and that was what was tough, I mean, that's all gone. So hopefully we see that level of OPS in the 900s, average near 300, a lot of stolen bases, a lot of havoc on the base pass. I think he's going to be in for a massive 2024. So there's that. Another guy everybody forgets that was red hot, or at least for his standards, the best power hitter on the team over the last month, was Kyle Schwarber. Now, in the playoffs, his power continued, but he wasn't maybe as dominant as we would have liked him to be. But this is, I mean, that's team-wide. So whatever I say about Turner and Harper in the playoffs, you can apply it to most people. But for Kyle Schwarber's standards, he hit sub-200. I'm looking for the biggest difference between the last month of the year and the rest of the year. Who was trending and going directly up as the year ended, Schwarber was one of them. He had 242, 395 on base. So, I mean, he's 50 percentage points batting average, less than Turner, but his on base is like 40, 40 points higher. OPS of 971, 10 homers, 24 walks. I'm not going to read you the strikeouts. We all know they're high, but he was playing his best baseball late. And there's something, there's weird things with him and with the team. It takes them so long to get going as the season starts and they wait till June. I would love for that not to happen. And we'll talk about that with big questions. But Schwarber, if you talk final month of the season versus the entirety of the season, he was playing his best. So I think we also do get a Schwarber 2024 where he doesn't hit sub 200. He's hitting a little better. And maybe the shift rules actually help him. And maybe we get a little bit more consistency at the top of the lineup. Two other guys. One of them, and he's going to be a big wild card, and he is a big question. I'll talk about the question in a second. But Johan Rojas. Remember, he was a total liability. Couldn't even, I mean, he hit, but you shouldn't have have him out there hitting in the playoffs. The base is loaded. I, I don't want to talk about it, but you you get what I'm saying. In September, before every pitcher realized that if you throw fastballs high, he'll swing, he had 333 on base of 373, OPS in the 800s, 16 hits, three doubles, four RBI. He was a good hitter for that time. Seriously, 
He was playing really solid baseball. And until pitchers realized him, and now he's going to have to fight back and adjust back, as we see everybody have to do. Bryson Stott pretty much went through the same thing. Couldn't hit fastballs. Now he comes back the next year and look at him. Johan Rojas was playing really good baseball in September entering the playoffs. So, I mean, a big question on the team is what if he can hit? What if they enter 2024 where Johan Rojas can actually hit the baseball? Because then he could be close to an everyday center fielder. We know what he brings on defense. If he can't hit, he's probably starting in the minors. But if he can, then we talk about how versatile the lineup can be with guys in left. You can move Marsh over more. How does Pache fit into that? Whatever acquisition they make uh, in free agency, how does he fit into that as well? Johan Rojas being able to hit changes a lot of that for the team. And also, again, the defense helps out the pitching staff greatly. So that's something where if he could actually improve this offseason and enter next year with the kind of production he ended the regular season with last year, big boost for the team. And the final guy, the final trend we're watching, I mean, Aaron Nola. He just got the money, and we saw what he did in the playoffs. Take away the final game, I know. But the adjustments he made, whatever they were, midway through the month of September, the beginning of September was terrible. It was that bad Brewers start, if you remember it. Seven runs, couple innings. That was rock bottom. After that, he, I think, has a good start in St. Louis, but he starts to pick it up. And then we get to the playoffs. He shuts down the Marlins. He shuts down the Braves. He shuts down the Diamondbacks in game one. He was playing his best baseball and finally, finally adjusted to the pitch clock. So if the pitch clock change of the two seconds with runners on base or whatever, if that's the big difference between him succeeding and not, then there's a problem. But I think really, I I don't know why it took so long, but it did take so long. And that's the situation we have to live with. So Aaron Nola entering 2024, I mean, if he could show any anything close to his playoff form, remember, this is a guy that normally, it's one year great, another year shaky. One year great, another shaky. Last year could have been the shaky year before he comes back and has a great season. I would bet that he does have a great season, or at least really, really good. ERA down in the low threes, maybe mid threes, still being out there every fifth day. Maybe fewer home runs would be nice. But I think that last couple games definitely signals good things, but that's uh, another positive trend. So Schwarber, Turner, Rojas, Nola, those four guys. Again, not talking playoffs, talking the end of the regular season. Those guys were really in good form, and that's who we should be watching entering next year, which there are big questions. And this was uh, the final really Phillies-centric part of this show I wanted to get to. What are your biggest questions entering 2024 with this team? Not not necessarily can they win the World Series questions, but within the team itself, with the lineup, with the pitching staff, with the roster. I had can Johan Rojas hit as one of them. So we'll take that out. But that is a big one. If he learns how to hit and you can actually put him in the lineup every day. Another one. And this, some of these questions definitely are going to be presented in a little bit of a negative realm. Because, I mean, realistically, as with the Dodgers, like I started the show with, yeah, this is a really good Phillies team. But guess what? There are also pitfalls. There are also ways that this isn't that amazing of a season. But that's the case with every baseball team every year. So my big questions, and I guess this is a way to express my concerns that do definitely exist, generally speaking. One of them is, I think the main one, the biggest question I have, can Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler hold up? Because age is going to get to them eventually. Now, if age gets to Nola in the first year of a seven-year deal, I'll look like an idiot, and I think all of us would be really angry because that would not, not signal good things for the future. But I'm talking more, not form, I'm talking more injury-related and totally age, just not as durable. Because if you look at the last couple years, Aaron Nola and Zach Wheeler have been remarkably healthy. Wheeler missed like a month the other year entering the playoffs to get him going, but they haven't missed extended time. They've been available for the end-of-season run. Aaron Nola has not missed time in years. I don't remember the last time he was hurt. 
So they've been remarkably healthy, and they're not getting younger. So I think I, I think if there's anything that will derail this baseball team, it would be the two top starters getting hurt because you don't have a you don't have a great nobody can fill in and do that. You don't think Taiwan Walker can just do it? Painter's not going to like these guys are young. So the, those two guys, if they can hold up and just be healthy, you feel great about this team. That's the biggest question. If they can continue to hold up as a one-two duo, I would argue one of the best, if not the best in the sport, then we're looking at a repeat amazing season. So that's that's a huge one. Another one, and this is just personal because it caused a little too much angst, but do we, do we as a sporting city have to deal with another just deathly slow, oh, cannot get off the ground start? Can they not lose their next five, the first five games of the season? And do we have to wait until June for them to play competent baseball? Like I would I would like to win the division next year. I don't love being a wild card every season. And while the positives are it gets you going against a team you should beat, way too much variance in a three-game series. Way too much. So, and I think they would be pretty well positioned if, you know, they do win the division to host that series and finally get home field. So you have to not start the way they've started in order to do that. So I don't know what it is, but I would love there not to be slow starts. That's a big question. And then, I mean, I guess this is similar to Nolan Wheeler, but this team is getting a bit older. So does age show up at all? Or when does age show up? I'm thinking about JT Romuto, who's shown signs maybe of slowing down a bit. I'm thinking about Schwarber, maybe Castellanos, but it's mainly those, the big time players on the team like JT, who catches like a million innings, when do we start to see the production really start to fall off? Because it's going to happen eventually. And then that that raises a question as to how large or how open really is the window. I think it's a couple years here. But there is a variable. It could be shorter. And that would have to do with age. So that's when does age show up with some of those, um, some of those big-time players. And the last one, the big one, is this bullpen going to be deep enough to last the season? Like I, I talk all the time about how valuable the starting pitching staff is and how great it's been for, I mean, getting the bullpen less work and helping it out and making sure it's ready for the playoffs. I think it's going to be the same deal because the starting rotation, personnel-wise, is the same. But bullpen depth is important, and they need to go out and get arms because Kimbrell, I mean, happily, is gone. They're going to need to take some strain off of Alvarado I think. I mean, he's been overworked. Sir Anthony is a... Like, all these variables. These pitchers are variables. Soto's a variable. As in, there's large variance in terms of the possible outcomes of them on the mound and their health and their season-long statistics. So, is the bullpen deep enough to last them into the playoffs? I think they have to make moves to help that out. I think they will. It's not something they will overlook. But that's a big deal. That's going to be a big deal. After years of having the worst bullpen we've ever seen a team have, they've had good bullpens the last couple of years. And bullpens that have really performed in the postseason. So health is a big part of that. Workload is a huge part of that. So is the depth good enough? Does injury not plague one of those spots? So there you go. Those are some of my biggest questions entering 2024. And um, some trends I'm watching. Again, I can't do best moments of 2023. You might have to go to a different podcast for that. Or you can think about them yourself. There are great playoff moments to consider. The shame is all of the regular season moments would have been freaking validated if they could have gotten to the World Series. I would look back more fondly on the Turner ovation, on Harper hitting his 300th homer, on the Harper, I mean, return, which was miraculous. Everything. All of the games they blew that were hilarious, not at the moment, but looking back. All of that is different if they don't lose to the Diamondbacks, but they did. So that's why I'm just trying focus on the future, 2024, biggest questions, and uh, some of those positive trends I'm watching. All right, it's on the clock. I'm Ben Kenny. We will talk some free agency when we come back. And an update, I don't have much color to add to the update, but there is an update on a star player in the American League dealing with uh, some legal issues, we will say. We will touch on all of that coming up. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. 
That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome back. I'm Ben Kenny. It is on the clock, Phillies 24-7 and Sports Radio WIP. As always, on a Friday, we thank you for listening, however you do. Um... Uh, it's the holiday season. You're spending it however you're spending it. I hope everybody has enjoyed the time. Major League Baseball has spent the time throughout the holidays doing absolutely nothing. If it was not for the Dodgers getting Yamamoto last week. But even so, everybody worked until what? Last Friday or last Thursday? This week is the big week everybody takes off. And Major League Baseball has joined them in taking it off and doing nothing. The most recent free agent acquisitions. Everything that has happened... Since since Yamamoto signed. Here you go. The Padres signed left-handed reliever Yuki Matsui, another Japanese reliever, which actually I do think could help uh, get the reliever market going. Five years, $28 million. Pretty good signing, I think. And the Mariners agreed to a deal with DH Mitch Garver, who's average as hell. Two years, $24 million. And that's it. That's all that's happened. So there you go. Now there are there are some rumors. I say that jokingly, but it's like when is when is baseball going to be able to just get going and start dominating the calendar? College football messes up uh, messes this up as well. They have a chance to extend the things in the off season and create buzz throughout throughout the off season, but instead it's all scrunched up and packaged into one big blitz of a month, and then that's it. So that's something I think baseball does get wrong. But there are some rumors, um, mainly the fallout of the Yamamoto deal. And this is what I've read. This is what I've written down. This is what I've thought about. I mean, the first is, what does Blake Snell do? A big pitcher's off the market. The next best pitcher is Snell with Nola and Yamamoto gone. What does his market look like? And how long does it actually take? Like, does the interest in him really skyrocket? They've mentioned, and I love seeing which teams are in on who because it kind of tells you the value of that player and whether it's a smart idea to sign him. The two teams that are after, reportedly, Blake Snell at the moment are the Giants and the Angels. Now, the Angels, obviously, are a sign of gross incompetence and are unable to operate like a normal organization. The Giants are well-run, but... I mean, do we put them into the class of the great, well-run organizations in the sport? I don't think so at the moment. So that's who that's who's in on Snell. I think that tells you enough that, I mean, he's not the best option in the world. I am not a fan of the way he pitches. So the Giants are in on Snell. They are in on Bellinger, who's asking for $200 million. I think a team would be crazy giving him that contract. And they're in on Matt Chapman, third baseman, whose better years are behind him, who could play defense, offensively, you don't really know what you're going to get from him. So that feels like the Giants... I mean, the Giants are desperate. They're trying to get something done because they've missed out on everybody they've been in on over the last couple years. And they missed out on them to better organizations, as I've outlined. Like, they were in on Yamamoto. They lost him to the Dodgers. No shame in that. They were in on Harper. They lost him to the Phillies. No shame in that at all. So that's that, mainly the Giants. The The Red Sox and the Mets are reportedly in on Lucas Giolito, another pitcher available, another guy that has had really high highs and also some pretty low lows on the mound. The Sox are desperate, and the Mets, I mean, also are quite desperate. 
So that tells you enough about Giolito at the moment. I hope the bullpen market starts to really fall into place, like badly, because the Phillies need relievers. Hector Neris, obviously a guy that I would focus on. Jordan Hicks, former Cardinal and former Blue Jay, I would focus on as well. We saw Matsui get signed, so maybe there's some movement in the bullpen market to come. But no big dominoes. There's no hater domino. Now, I did see, I maybe I should touch on this for a bit. I did see the question in everybody's writing, should the Phillies consider signing Josh Hader? And I think we're getting a little desperate for something to happen, and that's why this is getting thrown out. No, 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 no. The Phillies should not go after Josh Hader. I have, I, I've made my thoughts on this clear. Not only do I think he's a head case and a total moron, and he doesn't pitch more than three outs, and he only pitches when there's a save, and I don't want him in my locker room or in my clubhouse, and I'm damn sure not giving him $100 million. But if they were to sign Josh Hader, on top of the freaking unbelievable contract you give to the guy, you're moving up into the third tax threshold. He's not worth it. That means your 2025 first-round pick moves back 10 spots. You're giving up money in the international signing bonus. You're giving up a couple compensatory picks this year. Not even close to worth it. For a guy that, again, I think is talented and a good pitcher, but I think he is a total knob, and I don't want him anywhere near my bullpen. So no, 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 no Josh Hader. If you're really going to go out and you're going to get a closer, closer, quote-unquote, a traditional closer, trade for a guy. I don't know, but he is not the answer. So there's that. Um, Aside from that, and aside from what's actually going on, I think it's odd that the Braves have not gotten active yet. Like, the Braves are a team, which, again, are currently looking up at the Phillies. They have a pitching need. They entered, they they had Bryce Elder start a playoff game in Philadelphia. So they need starting pitching. They need it bad. They were after Nola. They lost on him. There were reports earlier that they were going to trade for a guy, whether it's Dylan Cease or whoever. Glass now got traded to the Dodgers. So the Braves are watching the Dodgers make these big moves. They've done nothing. And they're still looking up at the Phillies, whom they've lost to for the last two postseasons. So I think it's kind of interesting they have not gotten active yet in the free agent market. I think they need to, especially pitching-wise again. And there have been reports that they're going to trade for a guy. But their stagnancy has been very interesting. And it's something we are obviously monitoring, given their status, their caliber, them winning the NL East like a million times over the last 30 years. So there's that, and I mean, the big question is, do the Phillies have to do something after the big deals the Dodgers are giving out? And I've made my thought clear, like, yes, they have to do something. There are moves to make the team better that they have to make. I don't want Rodolfo Castro situations with guys on the roster that just are unplayable. So I think they're going to make those moves. There's no rush to do it if you're going to make small moves, though. The Phillies aren't in need of getting big fish at the moment, but... Hey, listen, if if they could pull off some deal, like a trade or something that's going to really benefit the team, I'm I'm all for that. But let's not get stupid here. Let's not go stupid for Hater just because the Dodgers are signing guys that are going to be good for a while. So there you go. I mean, nothing of real substance happening. So shout out to Major League Baseball, really dominating the holiday season on the top of everybody's minds. Everybody's really excited for the season. Uh, everybody outside of L.A. really excited for the season because all they've heard and read about is what the Dodgers have done and what nobody else has done to respond. So there you go. Let's uh, let's do this. We'll step away. We'll come back. We will close it out. I'm Ben Kenny. It's on the clock. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. All right, welcome back in. Uh, It's on the clock. We will be back in the new year next Friday, as always, as the episodes. Well, I guess they drop sometimes on Thursday. I'm recording this around noon on Thursday. 
But next, the end of next week, there will be another episode. We will see. Hopefully, there is something happening that we could talk about. Otherwise, uh, we will continue to look ahead at the Philly season. And, I mean, one big story that, I mean, we're monitoring, but I cannot add any color to. This is a true, everybody should do your own research kind of situation. Wander Franco, we've mentioned him in the past. Little situation going on. That's probably an understatement. He's been summoned by authorities in the Dominican Republic to answer said complaints. Those complaints, uh, allegations that he had inappropriate relationships with minors. Pretty much not good. Not good for him. Not good for the Rays. More importantly, like not good for him. He kind of seems like a scumbag. So we'll see how that goes. We are monitoring it. Again, the allegations that have not, I, I don't know. I just, I don't have a real statement on it, but just know, do your research and then know that we are monitoring the situation. And when something does happen uh, in, you know, finally, finality, whatever, we will have some uh, thoughts on it. So there you go. That's that's all I got today. As always, uh, really throughout this entire year, thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us. I can't wait for baseball season to start up again. And until next week, everyone enjoy your New Year's. We'll talk to you next week. See ya. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.